0: Hey, I'm Phil. Thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. So one easy way that you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So, I don't know about you, but I have been loving this series, this this series for the one. And if you haven't been around, we've been going through this series for the one. where We've been talking about this idea of lostness, what it means to be lost. And we're not talking about a map. We're not talking about directions. We're talking about when it comes to our spiritual life, when it comes to our recovery journey, feeling lost in life. And we've been talking about that for four weeks now, or this will be the fourth week. And each week we've been taking a look at how Jesus has sought out lost people. We've been looking at Luke 15, where Jesus tells these three parables or these stories with a point, where he talks about how heaven rejoices when one sinner is found. Where one person who is lost spiritually, who is lost in life, is found by God. And we've been talking about different instances throughout Jesus' life where he's demonstrated that, where he's lived that out, where he has sought after a person who is lost and what that means for our lives because we have or are lost, have been, or are lost. But one of the things that we've, we've talked about is how, you know, when we are lost and Jesus finds us, right, we are found. We have this new identity. We have been saved. But for many of us, it doesn't always feel like that. And just to make sure that I'm not crazy, how many of you have ever said that you are done with something only to go right back to doing it, right? I mean, I didn't ask for hands, but if y'all wanna raise hands, I get it. I'll raise a hand with you, right? I'm there, right? Or how about this? How many of you have ever felt more lost in the midst of your recovery journey than when you started it? I'll be right there with you right, when you're in the middle of it when you're walking through your recovery journey and you just fail time and time and time again, when you struggle with this thing and that thing and things you didn't even know you struggled with before walking through recovery, you can feel more lost than when you started. And that's discouraging. Amen? Man, that can be discouraging. Well, I'm glad to know I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one that felt that way. But tonight, we're going to take a look at an instance where Jesus showed up in a dude's life and how he sought after him. But I think his story might ring a little bit truer, closer to our hearts than we might realize. But before we jump in, let's pray together. If you would bow your heads with me. Lord, tonight we come to you. We, we come to you. As lost people seeking you, seeking to be found. Lord, and I know that you're looking for us. Lord, you're seeking after us. Lord, as we dive into your word tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd give us understanding. You'd give us clarity. And Lord, that ultimately all that we do would reflect our love for you. In your precious holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So if you would open with me to John chapter 9. And we, like I said, we've been looking at these lost people and how Jesus, he has a desire to see those who are sinners restored to their purpose, which is to follow God, right? Jesus has a desire to see us forgiven, to see us found. He left heaven, came down, lived died on the cross and rose again all so that we could be found so that we didn't have to stay lost and tonight as we look at John chapter 9 we're going to look at this instance of scripture where we're going to see the persistence of Jesus after this one man Right, a lot of times when we look at stories in Scripture and we look at instances where Jesus has showed up in someone's life, it's really easy for us like see Jesus as the main character, which he is, and and see his interaction with this person, and then just we kind of just imagine them, you know, like riding off into the sunset as happily ever after. But the case is, it always doesn't happen like that. Right? Even in our lives, right, we encounter Jesus. Some of you have been saved of your sins. Right? You've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And you can testify that you didn't ride off in the sunset and have a happily after after. Right? It was a struggle. It was a fight. There is times in our lives where we feel once again lost. And we just beat ourselves up over it. But let's look at this story and let's look at how it relates to us tonight. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1, says this. As he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, a man blind from birth. And he and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And you may read that and right off the the, the bat, you're like, man, these disciples, they are rude, right? They are insensitive. They see a guy who's been blind since birth, and their immediate assumption is, all right, so he's blind because he's being punished, right? There's something that happened that he did wrong or that his parents did wrong, right? The assumption was something had to have gone wrong. There has to be sin involved. So, Jesus, the real question isn't why is he blind? It's who sinned that made this man blind? And you may look at me like, that is so insensitive, right? That's so rude, that's so hurtful. And yes, it is, right? It is. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat the, 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 the disciples were these perfect, awesome people. No, they were screw ups, they were messes, right? And, but this is actually a reflection of the culture at that time. It was taught by the Pharisees that your health. And the health of your family members was directly tied to your obedience to God. So if you obeyed God and you did things right, you would be happy and healthy and rich. And if you disobeyed God and you did things wrong, you would be poor, you would be sick, and your family would have tons of ailments because you are cursed. And that's what they believed. That was in their mindset. And unfortunately, there are churches today who actually enforce that same concept. But that is not the case. That is not the truth. And Jesus, after being asked this question, he stops and he decides to take a moment to teach his disciples. And this is what he says, verse 3. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. So here's the sentence where Jesus looks and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. You have it totally backwards. It wasn't that this guy sinned. It wasn't that anything happened that was wrong. Actually, this was in God's plan. And God's plan was to use this situation, this thing that happened to this man, that God would use this to bring glory and to display the power of God in this moment. Your situation, though it may feel horrible and hurtful and difficult, is an opportunity for God to display his power in your life. It is. Now, I'm not promising that when you start to follow Jesus that everything is easy and good. Right, Because if it was, Jesus would have said, yeah, uh, this guy is sinful and he deserves to be blind. No, Jesus said, no, 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 no. This is an opportunity for God to display his power right here and right now. He's going to use this situation. He's going to use this moment to show something awesome. And then Jesus makes a statement about himself. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, this world is darkness. This world is a mess. And so you can't help but notice that messed up things are going to happen in a messed up world. He says, but I am the light. I came to show, to push back the darkness. So look to me. Look to me. And then he doesn't just you know, make this grand statement and teach the disciples this, and then just like, all right, time to move along. No, he stops, and he finds this man who is in need. Now, because this man was blind, right, he was sitting outside of the city, and he was begging, because here's the thing. The disciples' assumption was the assumption of everyone, right? Like I said, it wasn't just a disciples being, you know, arrogant and hurtful and rude, which they were at times, but it was a cultural assumption. So that's how the rest of the world looked at this man. And so he was cast out. He was on the outskirts. He was begging because no one would bring him anything because they felt he had gotten what he or his parents had deserved. And so he was outcast. He was lost. And he had no way of finding Jesus. So Jesus found him. And so what Jesus does is he spits on the ground, he, he uh, mixes up some mud, and he puts it on this guy's eyes. Now, for some of you, you're like, pfft. COVID, you know, like, gross, come on, like, get away from me, like, I don't want your saliva on my face, I don't need that, right, or you're just sitting there, hanging out, and you hear some dudes insulting you, and then all of a sudden, this guy steps up and starts putting mud on your face, and you're like, wait, it didn't rain today, how's there mud, right, and, you know, you start to, like, put together, it's like, he spit on the ground, that's nasty, right, right, But what happens is Jesus does this because he's trying to show that he is the light. That he brings light. He brings sight in the midst of a dark and messed up world. And so what happens is the the story continues. So we'll jump back to verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. And so here we have this beautiful picture of this man's life being radically changed, of him being found and met by Jesus. And Jesus heals him. And so what I say to you is tonight, if you're hurting, if you're feeling lost, if you are feeling outcast, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling betrayed, if you are feeling at all ends, Jesus is here for you. Jesus is the light you need. He will show you the way in the darkness That's what he did. He came and he lived on earth. He he was the only person to ever live a perfect and completely holy life. But he went to the cross. He took our punishment and he died. But he didn't stay dead, he rose again. And through confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he is Lord, that he has saved you, that you are a sinner in need of a savior, Salvation can come. You can be found. Because Jesus is seeking you. But here's the interesting thing. The story doesn't end here. And I find it very interesting. I would encourage you, go read the whole passage. Go read all of uh, of John 9. But you would expect him to like, go and like be dancing through the streets or like, you know, go and, and be walking through like flower fields and like looking at flower fields, uh, you know, because he's never seen that before or going to like an art museum and going to look at some art that he's never seen before. No, he just goes back to normal life, right? He just goes back and he starts living normally. And what happens is people, they like, start to recognize him. And they're like, wait, hold on. Wasn't that like the dude who was like sitting outside the temple? Wasn't that guy blind, right? Like I could have swore that guy was blind like a couple hours ago. What is he doing walking around? What is he doing? I thought he couldn't see. How come he can see? And so they they like, there starts to be this crowd of people who's like all watching and pointing. And so what they decided to do is they decide to go and confront him. I'm like, dude, weren't you just blind? He's like, yeah, I can see now, right? Like, I can see. I met this guy, and he healed me. His friends were really rude and mean to me, right? Like, and he goes, I met this guy, and he healed me, and now I can see. And they start asking him all these questions, like, how did it happen? He's like, well, he kind of like spit on the ground and put mud on my face, and then he told me to wash. And then I washed my eyes, and I could see. And they questioned him, and questioned him, and questioned him, and they still weren't really sure. So they said, hey, where did this guy go? Like, he put the mud on your eyes, where did he go? He's like, dude, I couldn't see where he went, I don't know, right? I don't know where he went, I don't know where he went, we can't find him. And so they're like, well, so this guy, he magically showed up, he put... Mud made of a spit on your eyes, and then he told you to wash, and now you can see, and then he just disappeared, and we can't find him again. Liar, right? And they took him before the Pharisees. They took him before the spiritual elite of the time. And they said, Hey, this is what this guy said. We don't know what to do. And so the Pharisees begin to question him. They begin to question him about thing after thing about how this happened, about why it happened, all these different things. And as they questioned him, they did not like the answers that they were receiving. Because as this guy spoke, he was bringing more and more glory to Jesus. He was talking about how Jesus was the savior and how it's great that he healed me. Why are you questioning this? Why are you going after this guy? And he defends Jesus's actions, which is kind of crazy to me. You wouldn't think that you would need to defend those things. And what happens is they take him and they cast him right back out. They take him, and yeah, you can see, they don't gouge his eyes out, but they take him and they send him right back to the beggar's mat that he was out at. They said, you are not welcome here. Don't think just now, because you can see that you're okay to be with us. You need to go right back where you came from. Man, to me, I see myself in this story. So many times, so many times, I have done my best to follow Jesus only to end up back in the broken place that I started. Man, sometimes it's happened from people in my life who are questioning me, who don't believe me, who still wanna keep me at an arm's length. But well, way more times is because I put myself right back there. Because I made the decision to go back and beg. Because I wanted to close my own eyes again. So I didn't like what I saw. Maybe it was overwhelming. Maybe it was too difficult. Whatever it is. There's been times where I have tried to follow Jesus. I've been freed only to end up right back at the place that I started, broken and lost. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel right back, broken and lost again. Maybe it was because of relapse. Maybe it was because of betrayal. Maybe it's because people refuse to see you as different. And so you're like, I'll show them I won't be different. Maybe it's because you encountered some hurt that you didn't know how to get past. You didn't know how to be healed from, and so you went right back to numbing it instead of dealing with it. And I could go on and on and on, but the reality is, You went right back to the beggar's mat. You cast yourself back out, or you let yourself be cast out, and you started this whole lost thing all again. You know what the best part of this story is? It doesn't end there. Continue, John chapter 9, and we're going to pick back up in verse 35. So this man, right, he's been questioned by the people of the town. He's been questioned by the Pharisees, and he's been cast back out, sent right back to the place that this whole story started at. It says this, John chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said... Do you believe in the son of man? Man, the best word that in that whole verse is, and Jesus heard that he had cast him out and having found him, Jesus went looking. He said, man, I heard this guy's been cast out. I heard things weren't going well. I gotta go find him. I'm looking. Because I can't leave him there. Man. Some of y'all need to hear that tonight. You may have cast yourself back out. You may feel cast out. You may be hiding. Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is looking for you. He is trying to find you. And guess what? He's got eyes everywhere. He knows where you are. He's standing right there. And the question he asks is, do you believe in the Son of Man? That's what's mattering. We like to put it on effort. We like to put it on our own struggles, our our trying hard enough. That ain't it. Verse 36, the man responds. He answers, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He's so lost, he doesn't even know what's going on. This man healed him from being blind, and he's still trying to figure out who the Son of Man is. He's defended Jesus' actions, and he's still got it backwards. Man, I have had it backwards more times than I can count. And Jesus said to him, verse 37, Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. He said, you have been messed up and you have been broken and you have all this mess. You're in the darkness. That's why I came here. I'm the light. And no matter how many times it takes, I'm looking for you. Jesus will come after you as many times as it takes. And man, am I thankful for that. Now, what this doesn't mean is test that statement. Right? Some of you hear that and you're like, all right, let's put it to the test. right?" I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and get as lost as I possibly can. That's not what it means doesn't mean you should run back to your sin over and over and over to push the limits of that forgiveness like we do with all the other people in our lives. No, but what it does mean is those times when you've relapsed, those times when you felt lost again, those times when you've gone back to begging, man, there's some shame that comes along with that, doesn't it? There's, some, there, there's a feeling that you just want to hide. You don't want anyone to know. And the last person that you want to talk to is Jesus because you feel like he's got some words to say to you. The words are different than you think. The words are, come on. Let's go. Let's be together. I'm so glad I found you. Man, Every time I talk to a person who's relapsed, there's this common saying, you know, they're like, man, you know, I went on this, this bender, right? It could be a weekend, it could be several months. And I, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to come to Tuesday nights. I was scared. I, I, I didn't want to show my face because I was guilty. I'm too ashamed. God wouldn't have wanted me back. I don't deserve forgiveness. I'm guilty. I'm too guilty. You see, Jesus wants you and your flaws, He wants you and your inconsistencies, He wants you and your mistakes. He doesn't want to leave them that way. He wants to grow you. He wants to shape you. He wants to help you. But if he wanted someone perfect, he wouldn't have saved me. If he wanted someone perfect, he wouldn't have saved any of us. He would have stayed up in heaven. When we mess up, here's the reality that doesn't surprise God. You know, Jesus wasn't like, he went back? He got cast out? No. When we mess up, he remains faithful. If you would turn with me to 2 Timothy, we're gonna close here. In 2 Timothy 2, there's this saying that's brought up to encourage Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 11, it says this. This, the the saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You are God's children. When Christ comes and He saves you, when you confess that He is Lord, and He saves you, you become God's children. You're part of His family. And it's not a surprise when you mess up, it's not a surprise when you're faithless, when you struggle, when you hurt, when you relapse. But there is one constant. He remains faithful. He remains faithful. He remains faithful looking for you. He remains faithful in his forgiveness. He remains faithful in his love. He remains faithful to you. Because he's seeking you. Maybe it's once, maybe it's twice like this guy, it's five times, 10 times, I'd go on and on. But I smile because I can find so much encouragement in that. He is faithful. And some of you, you need that encouragement tonight. Maybe it's your first night back after a while. I wasn't planning on you being here. trust me I didn't write this message for you. The Holy Spirit intended it for you. but listen to what the truth of Scripture brings. He is faithful when we are faithless. Or maybe some of you maybe some of you aren't at that point right now. You might be next month. You might be next year. We don't know. But I encourage you, remember this verse. When I find myself discouraged, when I find myself beaten, when I find myself feeling lost, I go right back. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so tonight, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you, maybe you have questions. Maybe you want to go to God as he's looking for you. There's going to be leaders, table leaders down front here. They would love to pray with you. If you have questions, I would love to sit and talk with you. But lock these truths away. Because there will come a time when you're struggling, when you're feeling lost... And every part of you is gonna tell yourself that you need to hide, that you need to run away, that God doesn't want you anymore, that you're done. That's a lie. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Let's pray. Lord, tonight, I thank you for your faithfulness to me. Lord, I've been faithless more times than I can count. Lord, and I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for my friend in this room or my friends in this room, whoever it may be who's feeling lost, who maybe started this journey and feels more lost than when they started. Lord, I pray that you would give them encouragement tonight. Lord, they would hear what you offer in scripture and they would be encouraged through the truth. Lord, that you are there, that your forgiveness is still offered to them. Lord, that you are seeking after them and that you love them. Lord, that salvation is offered to them. And Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.